Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of In the Spirit of Horse. My name is Mosey Truitt, and this week I have a very, very, very special guest. You have seen her on the podcast before. It is Nina Polo, and she's actually here for the intro on this one. Hey, Nina. Hi, Mosey. <laughs> so, Nina, uh, normally I would explain what uh, kind of like who the guest is. That's my new format I do, but do you want to explain? Who you are or do you want me to explain who you are no I want you I want to hear what you have to say about me okay all right <laughs> I'm like it's late I gotta do it justice let me just speak from the heart Nina Nina is an overall incredible person she is a yoga and meditation teacher and um, she really embodies to me and lives what she teaches which I think is um, an incredible thing. She's also an incredible horsewoman. My wife, my work wife, platonic work wife, um, one of my like absolute favorite people in the entire world, and someone that I trust so deeply when it comes to um, working out my feelings and thoughts around horses and really around life. I don't. There's very few people that I um, resonate more with than you. So I'm so excited to talk. Well, actually we've, we've already talked tonight. This is the end of the episode, but, um, we had a really, really good talk tonight. And, uh, yeah, we, we basically, we start talking about like, uh, different labels that are put on equestrians and put on people that maybe you're told are negative. Um, and we talk about how you can, you know, switch your perspective and really see those labels that have been put on you as your strengths and how that relates to the horse world and, you know, things you might've been told by trainers or things that you might've been told by mom and dad or really anyone society. We kind of, um, we, we dive into a lot of topics. It's a big episode. It's a long episode, but, uh, yeah, for the most part, it's kind of reclaiming like our belief systems around ourselves and, and who we want to be and seeing our strengths in that. Does that kind of sum it up, do you think? Yeah, I mean, we also speak love letters to each other, basically. Yeah, there's a long part of the <laughs> podcast where we basically just compliment each other a lot, but I think it, like, totally... Um, I, th- I think there's still a lot of good information in there. There's a lot of love, you know? A lot of love. It's good. It was a really... Um, you know, it's nice when we get to just... Uh, talk mm-hmm. and record it because <clears throat> what we talk about a lot is authenticity and vulnerability mm-hmm. and um, doing an episode like this where you know there's like moments in which we forgot what we were saying um, <laughs> and we're just not going to edit it I think um, are really an example of living what we talk about so much. I agree. This episode is chock full of vulnerability and uh, and the other thing you said. Sorry, I'm getting <laughs> tired right now. Uh, and I, and I also I'm not going to edit it because one most important thing authenticity. Two, don't want to edit it. If we're just going to be real honest, don't feel like going through the whole thing and taking out the ums and the the messes up. The messes up. See, already. There we go. I'm not taking that out either. No. Um, 
And that's kind of what I want for the podcast. And uh, yeah, I really love this episode. I love when we can just talk freely. And uh, yeah, I think they're ready to hear it. Shall we play it? Let's do it. All right. Here you go. taking a huge sip of coffee at 7 30 p.m it's not very not the yogic lifestyle (laughs) i also am having my first coffee i think pretty much ever at 7 p.m we're being quite quite wild today i feel like i'm trying drugs that's what i feel like i feel like i am hey mosey do you want to go do some coffee and record a podcast i'm already doing it girl (laughs) already doing that (laughs) <laughs> it was pretty that's a music recorder mm. yeah we're sitting at uh we're sitting at my other friend's desk lily who is a musician she actually does the music for this podcast and we're sitting at her desk right now she doesn't know sorry lily but it was the only place <laughs> hi lily hi lily um we're not touching or moving your stuff though <laughs> i did touch it but okay yeah i think she'll be okay i think yeah it was a light gentle caress <laughs> it wasn't that bad I didn't, like, move it. <laughs> As one touches objects. <laughs> Gentle caresses. Ah, oh, well, here we are. Um, I am so excited to be talking to you. And we have a really cool idea for this podcast that Nina's came up with. Um, <laughs> sorry, we're a little silly tonight. We are a little silly. I'm not apologizing, though. It's good, playful energy. No. Um, but we do have a cool topic that Nina actually thought about this week and she texted me uh earlier in the week and and we kind of realized how it related to horses earlier tonight at dinner and and now we're going to talk about it and this will be the first time really yeah we're kind of just uh, gonna wing it i guess yeah as as we do as we do um it's, it's a good way do you wanna <laughs> yeah i will uh i'm like i don't know if i ha- i might just read the text you sent me because sure. um, read the text okay you said Uh, I want to do a podcast on converting what society views as our faults into our biggest strengths. And I love that topic. And you kind of mentioned that uh, there were some some things that kind of spurred that idea for you this week. Love to hear that. Yeah. So let me see. Um, I follow the Rich Roll podcast. It's one of my other favorite podcasts and um I think he did a little video on Instagram uh about this artist and the video was just so fascinating to me because um the artist had you know certain characteristics that would oftentimes by society's you know standards of what's normal be you know something that might be more difficult to kind of live a normal life with like basically all the labels from you know ADHD and OCD and um social anxiety all of these things um 
And he was telling the story, the artist was telling the story about when he was a kid, he would look at the teacher writing in school and he could not read from left to right. But he somehow figured out that he could read from right to left. So he would actually read from right to left, write it with his finger on his thigh in order to translate and then be able to, to, to then be able to read what the teacher was writing. And when I heard that, I was so fascinated because to me, it just sounded like he had a superpower. And so I reached out to him and I looked at his artwork and uh, he, he basically does, um, he'll take a phrase or a word that really inspires him and then he will begin writing that but as he writes he sees patterns rather than how maybe you and I see words mm -hmm. um, or how most people see words <clears throat> and so <clears throat> I looked at his art and I just I felt really touched and moved by it and so when When I reached out to him, I just told him that I uh, was really interested in coming to see his art and if that was a possibility. And at the time I was in Germany. Um, but when I got back to LA, I, as soon as I could, you know, made an appointment with him. And so I really was thinking about, <clears throat> you know, what do I want to, why am I so curious about this person other than you know, me really appreciating his artwork. Why am I so fascinated by him and his story? And <clears throat> as I thought about it, it's exactly that idea, is that something that, you know, could be seen as, you know, quote-unquote, a disability, really, and it did make his life really challenging in many ways, and at the same time, it gave him this beautiful gift to create art that touches people's hearts. Um, and for him to have an avenue um, to put his creativity into. And so as I thought about that, I wondered how it related to my own experience in life. And, um, you know, as I think many people can relate to this, but I think oftentimes being sensitive and being a person who <clears throat> feels intensely can be viewed as a weakness. <clears throat> and even though I always felt that there was real power in that, um, there was definitely times in my life when I believe the people around me who were telling me that I was uh, too emotional, that I was too sensitive, um, that I was weak, that I needed to harden up. Um, and even though everything in my core, you know, would, would fight that assumption I think as humans, we at some point, if people keep telling us over and over and over again something about ourselves, most of us at some point believe it. Mm -hmm. 
so I definitely believed that about myself. <clears throat> I thought that I was too emotional and I thought that, you know, I needed to control my emotions and, um, now, you know, some years after <laughs> that phase of my life, <clears throat> I really see that being able to be soft and being able to stay open um, and not close off and move with vulnerability um, through life and then, you know, sometimes write about it or share about it with people um, has really been one of the biggest gifts that I feel I have in this life. And interestingly enough, I, you know, had befriended this person on Instagram, the artist. And so he had actually read some of the things that I had written. And so when I got to his house, we immediately just dove deep into, you know, basically like, hi, this is my crazy and hi, this is <laughs> your crazy. Great. How does that, you know, th that's what was interesting to both of us was, you know, what, what have your challenges been and how are you living with that? And so we had this beautiful conversation and he actually, and I feel so just humbled by this because he was so uh, sweet about it. And he felt that um, it was really important for me to write about my experience in life uh, with being open and being, you know, not closing off to people when they act in ways that maybe are not, you know, what we expect or want from them and how to have compassion um, to a level that, uh, you know, maybe it goes a little bit beyond of what we usually go to. I think it's so often we get to a certain point and I think, you know, we all try our best to, to be compassionate and then we get to like our threshold mm -hmm. of compassion and that's when we kind of close off and we go, well, I also need to protect myself. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's the place for me that becomes really interesting because then we can look at, okay, why am I actually closing off? Am I coming from, you know, a, a reality where I do need to protect myself or am I coming from a place of hurt? Am I coming from a place of fear? And if I'm closing off because of that, then I would rather continue to just soften. Mm -hmm. um, and he really related to that and um, was, I guess, inspired by it and um, was pretty adamant about the fact that I should write about it more. And so we sat there, you know, for an entire day. We just spent the entire day together. We took a dog for a walk and just had a beautiful um, morning and into the afternoon. And we spoke of his challenges and how it had led him to this place in his life where, you know, now he was creating this beautiful art and how my challenges in life had led me to this place where I, you know, can write about things that uh, move me. That was very I long. Know I know it's great. I, I'm like I can just listen to you talk. Um, 
I, there's so much I love about that. And you and I have talked a lot about um, softening and like um, about all of this really. But what I really like about this topic and why I think it's so important is and why I wanted to do the podcast on it was because I feel like this is something that we all face, like not just in the horse world, um, but it also it applies so much to the horse world because I think, you know, we've all been kind of labeled these things that make us really special have been labeled, um, and kind of made into something undesirable, Mm -hmm. you know, like whether it's you're too sensitive and that's like framed in this bad way or in this, like you need to toughen up sort of way versus you're sensitive. You have so much opportunity for compassion in that. And there's such a gift in that. And it's what you can bring to the world. And to bring it back to horses, it just made me think about, especially with the softening, um, like when I was, if, if you know my story, then you know that I got Annie when I was like 12 and I basically had like no training and, um, I just was kind of like wild with her and I just like, we would just run around and I would just like gallop everywhere and we were just like free little spirits. And then when I did have my first lesson and I started going to actual like doing dressage and doing, um, you know, becoming a real equestrian, I was labeled a lot of things. And, um, and a lot of the things that I think are qualities that now allow me to do the work I do were framed in a very negative way. So for instance, I was told that I was too soft. I was like way too gentle, but it wasn't even put that I was too gentle. It was that I was a pushover. I was weak. I wasn't dominant. So these things that later really helped me and helped me like, you know, make this kind of change into the horsemanship I do now were framed really, really negatively. And I thought of them as flaws I needed to fix. So, you know, my, um, sensitivity to Annie and her emotions and wanting to be gentle with her was framed as me being weak and not in charge and like this big character flaw. So I started to harden up and And I didn't really feel right to me, but I also assumed that the people telling me this were, they knew what they were doing and that, you know, something was wrong with me and I needed to be changed. I need to change and be fixed. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I think about all the labels I had. I was like, I was too soft. I was weak. Um, I was called like a rodeo rider, not in the sense that I was like doing rodeo riding, but that I was out of control. (laughs) (laughs) In the dressage world, like they thought I was like all over the place. And, and those labels like really did hurt. Like they made me, um, they made me feel like I was like doing something wrong with the horses. They made me feel like I wasn't a natural equestrian, you could say. And I think that these are, these particular like labels are something that people doing lessons and women doing lessons run into a lot that you're weak, you're soft, you're pushover, all this stuff. And I think that, you know, when I finally left and I started to explore on my own, all of those qualities that I had been kind of programmed to see in this really negative light ended up being my greatest sources of 
connecting with the horse. And it was learning how to soften and leaning into being um, gentle and having and not being like super tough and dominant that allowed me to basically do the thing I now call liberty horsemanship. And I just, I can imagine like how many people I met along the way that were told that they had some kind of flaw um, with horses. And I think it's interesting because everything we're kind of talking about, um, to me, they're really, they're like kind of feminine qualities that Mm -hmm. are, that are devalued. Like, Mm -hmm. like being soft with the horses, you know, like being, not to say like masculine can't be soft and gentle, but like, you know, there's this kind of like hard, like linear kind of energy that I think is really shifting in the horse world as we accept more of these feminine qualities. And we realize that so much of our strength actually lies in leaning into those. Yeah. I think it's so, it's so beautiful because your story really to me is, you know, this beautiful metaphor exactly for that idea you know that so often the qualities in us that are rejected by society are in my experience what makes the people around me so interesting Mm -hmm. and so beautiful and you know really are the things that I value the most in my friends. Um, Whether it is sensitivity, and that is often something that I really, really value in people. Um, Or it is, you know, introspection. Or it is patience. Mm -hmm. You know, patience I admire more than anything because I'm (laughs) working on it. I don't feel like you're an impatient person. You're like, oh, really? You feel, yeah, you mentioned today that you felt like you're impatient. I'm like, oh, you met, you meditate. Like that takes a <laughs> shit ton of patience. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> See, and that's, that's another thing is like, what are the, you know, what are the labels that we take on, mm-hmm. you know, that other people have put on us and that we believe about ourselves. And then, Picky eater. Yeah. (laughs) I got that one as a kid. Picky eater. (laughs) And I lived up to that. Like, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Absolutely. I was like a rebel, you know, and like to this day, I'm like, oh, I'm a rebel. So, you know, like I can't just do what other people do. That's a good one, though. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Yeah. It's it's kind of punk rock. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know... It's interesting. I, I think Brene Brown actually talks about this. Or Brene. 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 Shout out. Love, love you. Love that, babe. So much. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think she talks about how it really is almost impossible for us. Like, we're hardwired to believe what we hear over and over and over again. So, do you ever find yourself saying something out of almost reflex and then realizing that 
maybe this is not a belief that you actually have, but it's a belief that you have taken on from somebody else. And then you go, wait, do I actually believe that? Yes. I have been actually noticing that even with beliefs I made myself. Like, yeah. Like the other week about like, I'm not going to move until I move the horses. This is like a very simple example, but I realized like the only person that had put that on was me. Yes. And like, I can change that belief like that, but it was ruling my actions like from the subconscious. But yeah, for other beliefs too, that are more like monumental and like really affect. Yeah. Well, it's good because now you have me thinking about whether I truly believe that I'm an impatient person or not. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Because I, I can exercise patience. I guess it doesn't feel... It's not the most comfortable place <laughs> for me to be in. But that doesn't mean that I don't have it. Right? Yeah. I mean, look at you with Luna. I'm like, what? what is that but not patience? <laughs> Luna's her horse. Luna's her wild Mustang. My, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, her horse friend. My horse friend. <laughs> She has been, what a beautiful teacher. Yeah. Maybe it'd be good to unpack some of the beliefs we've had, like that we don't even know. Because I feel like there's probably a lot like actually ruling my life, even in the positive sense. Yeah. That, ooh, like an example of this is um, the belief that like I'm a horse trainer, so I should have the answers. Yes. You know, has actually gotten me into trouble. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Tell us a story, Mosey. <laughs> like, Tell I have a story. story. Uh, I do have a story in mind, but okay, I'll tell it. Um, <laughs> Yay. I just, okay, so I was riding with a friend, a very good friend of mine, and um, I got on. And I was on Sierra and I just had this thought when we were, we're basically, okay, we're riding on this trail and like we have an option of whether to go around this loop around the property or whether to like go to like an easier, shorter little uh, loop around the pasture. And my friend said, let's go the loop around the property. And I have this intuitive feeling that like, like I don't really want to do that. Um, But I have this idea like, I'm a trainer, like I should be able to ride around the property. Like it should be like easy enough. Like it's so like in my mind, I was like, this is so simple, you know, like just, just ride around the property. And my intuition's like, you don't really want to go around the property. Um, and then we get up to the top of the hill around this loop that didn't, didn't really, really want to go on. And Sierra starts to get spooked. And I have this thought of like, I should just jump off now. Um, I should just like walk, you know, but then I have the belief of like, but come on, you're like a trainer. You've done this before. You can, you can stay on like, you know, and, and I didn't listen to like my real voice there because of the idea of what I should be. And then what do you know? Sierra, uh, a dog jumps out of the bushes. Sierra, who I hadn't gotten out in a long time. Like there's a lot of things to this, but ends up taking off like full speed downhill and, um, and I'm like, like holding on, I think I can get up and then like, I don't know, something happens. I end up falling off and like, and it wasn't, it was, it was all fine, but like I hit my head a little bit and 
it was, it was fine, but like, it was not like, I would have rather that not happened, yes. you know? And I really realized that like, you know, you can never like predict everything. Like I don't like to be a type of person that is like, well, you could have done this and you could have done this and you, you know, and like trying to change the past in that way, because I think there's some things that you just, you know, you can't predict everything. And I think to try to have that level of control, you can drive yourself crazy. Um, but you know, there were certain things that like I, my intuition knew I didn't want to do. And it was like the belief of being, of what a trainer should be that kept me going, like making these decisions where I might not have made the decisions if I was like alone, you know, and not like having the idea that I had to come off a certain way. So that's one where I feel like even just the idea of like something positive we kind of put on ourselves can really affect like our decisions in a way that maybe we don't, they don't need to be affected, you know? Yeah, I love that. I was, I was, as you were telling the story, because I've heard the story, I could also at the same time think about kind of what, you know, what comes to mind for me. And I, I was thinking about the, you know, being a yoga teacher Mm -hmm. and what I'm identified with because I do identify you know in a way as a as a yoga teacher yeah um and there's an attachment there for sure um and there is whenever I do certain things that do not fit my mold of what a yoga teacher looks like to me which is seven yeah like (laughs) literally that's what I was thinking I was like oh my god I'm like that's not very yogic of me, right? <laughs> <laughs> and it's interesting because I'm like, what am I measuring that by? Mm-hmm. And I think my measurement is is my teachers, you know, who I look up to. And they live very um, healthy lives in many ways. Um, and... That paired with, you know, my own judgment of things that I know are not necessarily, you know, the healthiest for me, um, but that I also still want to do mm-hmm. sometimes, um, is like, it's an interesting place to be in, you know, because on one hand, yes, we want to be really kind to ourselves in the way that we treat our bodies well and we treat our mind well, you know, and we mm-hmm. like talk kindly to ourselves and and we also strive to, you know, come closer to our to our potential. Mm-hmm. Um yet where where am I coming from? Right? Am I coming from a place of judgment yes. and fear? love this you're like Sorry, yes just, judgment no yeah judgment <laughs> no 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 I just love what you're saying so much because I feel it I feel it so freaking in my heart like yeah yeah this is important. because this is you know if I want to be if I want to be like my teacher and in many ways I do strive for that kind of life I also know that I'm not there and I also my path is much much shorter you know than hers like I um in the sense that like I'm not as far along on this path 
I just started, basically. I'm a baby when it comes to this. And so, you know, seeing that, being able to strive for the way that your role models live their lives in your own unique way and doing that from a place of like really being kind towards yourself where you are in that moment that's a huge challenge for me yeah you know it's a, it's a real challenge to not um to not think that because we identify with certain labels that means that we have to fit these boxes perfectly mm-hmm. you know and that there's not going to be you know little holes in the box where you <laughs> stick your finger out and a toe and a coffee and comes a coffee up. comes <laughs> right in at 7:30 p.m. and you know it's being okay with where we're at and at yeah. the same time continuing to move forward yeah. um, is a really interesting balance for me. I love this. I'm, I'm resisting the urge to curse right now so much right now um, because I'm like so passionate about this. I want to be like, I freaking love this. But um Anyway, I really love this because... Wait, are you not allowed to cuss on your own podcast? Oh, no, I totally can. Okay. Um, <laughs> I just don't know the younger listeners. I don't know. Oh. I feel like I could go crazy right now with my passion <laughs> and my words. Um, Got it. But I love this so much because I've been feeling this so hard. And you and I have been talking about, like... To me, it feels so much like the idea of perfection. You know, like, when are we really striving from like a compassionate place to be who we want to be or like to fulfill our potential. And then when are we like trying to cram ourselves in the box of perfection and of what we should be? Yeah. And I feel like I've just felt so deeply the destruction of trying to be good like, quote-unquote, good, be whatever that means, you know, like, there's so many different ways, whether it's to be, like, the perfect yogi, or whether it's to be a, a trainer, or whether it's to be, like, you know, spiritual, or, like, a great soccer player, whatever, you know, <laughs> like, uh, but there's this idea of, like, of, like, being good, you know, and it's broadest term, yeah, and if your intention which you've really like turned me on to a lot. It's like looking deep at the intention. Um, if it's to be something to work, to like earn your worthiness because you're not good enough as you are. I think that trying to fit the mold is really destructive and can be really, really, um, shaming to yourself. And, and it makes it so much more interesting. Like, the beauty of you to me is like, I love that you are a yogi that is so, you're, I feel like you're so dedicated and in line with your beliefs and your values. And, and one of your biggest values is compassion and acceptance and non-judgment. So I feel like you're accepting of like having a coffee at 7.30 or whatever it may be, you know, more extreme than that, you know, um, is actually a better 
display of your real values. And if you were to try to fit into the mold of perfection, that wouldn't actually be aligned with who you want to be like on a, you know, within the places that really matter. Man, I love you so much. <laughs> I love you so much. And you brought in my compassion a lot for myself. And I think that that's been like a huge game changer. Like the reason why I've been able to question and dive deeper into my horsemanship lately is because I've been able to let go a lot more of like who I should be or what would be good, you know, um, and what's bad and again, let that go because I really feel like compassion is actually the opposite of good and bad. It's like pushing that off the table. You know what that also makes me think about is that whenever we think that, okay, this labels what I am, this labels what I am. And this is what that looks like. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It just leads to stagnation. Yeah. Right. Because then all you will be for the rest of your life is a horse trainer. And all I will be for the rest of my life is, you know, a yoga teacher or whatever. And I think what we're going through, and this is the beauty of, you know, our friendship is that we really, I think that we go through a lot of the same things at the same time and we have each other to bounce these ideas off and I love you. I love you. <laughs> yes. And so, so, so having this container of our friendship mm-hmm. um, and having somebody who is a constant reminder, you know, to whenever I forget to be compassionate with myself and I reach out to you and I'm going to cry soon, <laughs> you're the one who reminds me to stay compassionate. And that has opened up the possibility for everything, you know, because now we don't need to be anything and therefore we can be everything. (laughs) I cry too because I feel the exact same way about you that whenever I need um, reminder of, of all of that, like you're the one I look to. Um, and it's kind of what I hope actually for this podcast that like that people who are feeling that way, like in the horse world or just in their life can kind of look here, you know, that would be my dream is that they could kind of look here to feel that acceptance. Um, because it does also like, like I've become so much softer to everyone because you allow me like you getting into our friendship a little bit, but you've like allowed me to be softer with myself and more compassionate with myself. So it directly correlates to my whole life and everyone I'm around and, and not just like surface level compassion, but like much deeper understanding. Like the more I let go of like hardness around what being a Liberty horse trainer is or like what being like, you know, whatever I I think of in the horse world that I am, you know, and the more I let go of good and bad, the more I genuinely see like the beauty behind like how people are trying, you know, and how people, we're all like, like you always say, we're all doing our best. We're all like trying our best. And I feel that genuinely so much more that it's not this like black and white between like 
people who do natural horsemanship and liberty horsemanship and you know all the and traditional or whatever it's like we're all like the same really yeah we're all just trying our best I really love I really love your application you know into horsemanship um because I I think it's it is changing. I really believe mm-hmm. that. And at the same time, um, there is still this very traditional world mm-hmm. that has very set ideas of how things are to be. And, you know, whenever I have uh, clients who have had any previous, you know, uh, lessons in horsemanship um, in a more traditional way you know and oftentimes people come to me because they've um, you know been away from horses for a long time and they just want to gently move back into um, being around them and I I hear so many times things like oh yeah you're you're only supposed to you know walk on their left side right or like never stand behind a horse or, you know, all these like very broad ideas that I understand come from somewhere. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, in my opinion, need to just be completely dismantled Mm -hmm. because I don't know that I can think of a good example. And, you know, it's like eight now and my (laughs) brain's filled with coffee but (laughs) (laughs) um but I can't really think of a good example of a situation that is always the same Mm -hmm. you know no two things are alike really no two situations are alike certainly no two horses are alike and your relationship to a horse changes or can change, has the potential to change, grow, and morph every single second. Um, So to have these, you know, rules that limit us so much and really what, how we can connect to someone is really sad. And I understand um, wanting to have safety and wanting to have you know, an environment where we want to limit harm. Mm-hmm. Yet I think that we can create that in a really different world that when it comes to, or in a different way, when it comes to horses, for example, teaching people awareness and observation and feeling their own bodies and feeling their own bodies in relation to a horse or another person. Mm-hmm. Um having the skill to come into a place and actually be in tune enough with your own energy that you might sense the energy around you, you know, those to me seem like much more uh, broadly applicable skills than teaching somebody never stand behind a horse. Because I love kissing Luna's butt. Sometimes you've got to kiss a butt. (laughs) 
She's got a great butt. <laughs> or as Emily from the podcast before, you stick your hands in their butt when it's cold. Oh God, that sounds awful. I meant, I meant like in the lower cheeks and the thighs. If they don't mind. <laughs> Please ask them first. Yes. Yes. Because cold hands, like, cold what, hands are intense. Yeah. Emily talked to, yeah. Listen to that episode Listen if you want to know episode. how to do this. Because I'm not just saying go stick your hands near a horse's butt because, like, you got to ask consent. That's true. Um, but if they say yes and you're reading their energy and it's all great, then, you know. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Well, that got weird quickly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Great. I love, you know, I I love uh, I love your weirdness. It's one of my favorite things. <laughs> Sorry, I had to you whisper tell them because you can... I needed consent from Mosey to, to talk about what she did last night. <laughs> because um we went out to a concert, and I drove separately because I was driving with a boy who I like. And so we went to the concert, and Mosey shows up, you know, with her whole gang. And on her head is a perfect tiara made of orange peel. And so we'll, I go, oh, I really love your headband. And she goes... I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and then we stand next to a guy and he goes, is that an orange on your head? And once again, she goes, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and then he was genuinely confused. And then he said, but does it, does it serve a purpose? And she said, yeah, it serves the purpose of making my hair look fantastic, and also making new friends. And I thought that was the most beautiful thing. That was the most beautiful thing because, once again, you know, something that could be considered by so many people as, like, a quirk or something like, oh, you're a little odd, you know, to me is, like, it might be my favorite quality about you. I love you. <laughs> I'm so happy. I love that you remembered all of that. And I love that you appreciate it. Because there's probably... I can think of very few things that I enjoy more in life than doing weird stuff. Yeah. That, like... You're a weirdo. I like playing. I just like to play. It's play. It's outdoor play. It real is. Life play. <laughs> it's real life play. And... You have taught me more than anybody about play. (laughs) I love that. It's true. I've embraced my, you know, inner nerd and inner weirdo and, you know, childish side more than I had ever before, thanks to you. You know, I remember this person I was in a long-term relationship with and Things were already not that great at this moment in time. (laughs) And so I remember going for a hike and we were going for a hike together. And I was just, you know, I was just filled with joy because I could see the ocean and I was up and there was like, you know, the desert and Topanga. And I just 
felt so in love with nature and in love with that moment in time and I just felt the magic kind of like go through my entire body and so I began skipping you know of course like a normal person (laughs) yes I began skipping and then I was told to stop and not be a weirdo makes me sad I know I mean, now I can laugh about it because yeah. it's so ridiculous to me that I ever thought that it was okay for somebody to speak to me that way. And mean it. And yeah. mean it. Yeah. And I, I, even picture I don't know if he was, he meant it. Maybe he didn't. Let's, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe yeah. he was joking and I took it seriously. Let's just, Happens. you know, that could have, <laughs> that could have been the case. Um, but I think about that and I think about that time when I was so confined you know in my play and how I could actually express joy you know of not laughing too loud or not being too loud or not yeah you know being funny or you know dancing spontaneously without music that other people can hear (laughs) (laughs) you know and that's another thing that I really love about you. Oh Oftentimes. <laughs> Tell me more about what you love about me, Nina. <laughs> Oftentimes, you'll be dancing, and then the music stops, but you just continue dancing, you know? And I'm just like, man, that girl, she's just like... It's like that scene out of Dirty Dancing... Or she continues dancing after the sa- after the song because, like, for the fel- first time, she's felt the rhythm, you know. And I just feel yeah. like you're in that place all the time, where you're like <laughs> feeling the rhythm, almost as if it were the first time. Aww. And I really love that. Yeah, I love you. Oh my god, you're so sweet. <laughs> You know what my thought on particularly on dancing is? is Sometimes I look around and like I'm hearing music and everyone's dancing and I'm just like, this is so fucking weird. Like people are just moving their body. Like sometimes every time people are dancing, I'm just like, it's like the weirdest thing. Like people just like shaking their bodies. And so then it's like wonderful. And why not just like do that all the time? Because I mean, is it really any less weird with music? Nah. Not really. No. It's still weird. It's still weird. <laughs> yeah. And the best great. of ways. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes I like to dance around the horses. It's a great desensitizing tool. It's just to dance like a crazy person around your horse's bum. Don't do that if your horse uh, <laughs> is not cool with you. Um, or, or I don't mean not cool with you, but like if they're not <laughs> if used to that and you think they might kick you, don't, don't dance behind their butt. But if you want to get them really happy with you dancing behind their butt, then uh, invite them to dance. Yeah. Just like ease your way ease into your way it. in. Yeah. Start I really fight. like that. You know, easing your way in is is also a really great lesson in mm-hmm. life. You know? This is something I'm learning right now. It's like how because I I'm I'm um okay, here's another label that I have about myself is that I that Tell I'm me. intense. I'm intense. That's a really interesting one. I think a lot of, I think a lot of women get sensitive and intense at yeah. the same time. We're so sensitive and so intense. intense. <laughs> More like we're also smart and funny. Smart and funny and sensitive and intense just means like in tune and like passionate. Yeah. 
rewire that shit. <laughs> um, it's true. And I like now I think I've come to love the term intense mm-hmm. and be like, oh, yeah, I am intense. Yeah. And, and, and because I feel it now as, as passion. What's the opposite of intense? Dull. Dull. Mm. Oh, that's sad. That is, ooh, that, yeah. I don't like that label. I mean, I'd rather be intense. Yeah, me let's, too. Let's say that for and, sure. And it's like camping. Intense. Intense. <laughs> wow. Sorry. Are you getting weird? That wasn't even a smooth pun. That was just... <laughs> that was amazing. That was amazing. Okay, back to the back really to intense business. topics. Yeah, so, you know, thinking about being intense oftentimes um for me what I mean by that is that I usually I like to go in 150 percent in whatever it is you know whether I met this artist for example and like I came to his house and within five minutes we were talking about his um you know uh, his last like relationship and like the struggles with that. And I then, admire you so much for this, just by the way, no. and your ability to like, especially with people, sorry, not to interrupt you, but you do <laughs> like you jump in and like go full into relationships it, like in a, or like full into like meaningful relationship in a way that I think opens you up to so many people. And is why you're like able to attract all these brilliant people into your life. Including yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't thinking that, but, but <laughs> wink, wink. I was. <laughs> um, sorry, I'm you. sorry. No, <laughs> I appreciate that. This is a really good idea to do podcasts at night, drinking coffee. No, I love it. I love it, too. Um, yeah, I really... It's, it's one of my favorite things to do, um... And I also have come to realize that I can have that. I can have like a real, a real connection with somebody based on, it's not necessarily that you have to talk about certain things. It's really just about, I think, being genuine in the moment of what it is that's coming up for us, right? Mm -hmm. So it could be, it doesn't have to be, you know, talking about, I don't have to come in and talk about my divorce, you know? Right. But I, I could come in and talk about the joy that I'm feeling in that moment. And it could be equally as intense because yeah. it's just about whatever it is that in that moment feels really, really genuine and crucial and real. Yeah. So coming into relationships that way... Um, has created kind of like two things for me. One is um, that sometimes people, you know, because I have this intensity, um, people will go into, you know, conversation with me um, and then feel... Like this is, and then go into like this is this type of conversation or this is this type of relationship. So mm. <clears throat> let's say you know um, you go in and you meet somebody and you just start talking really openly with them, and then it 
you know, feels like you're opening up this possibility of like a best friendship. And because most people don't go, I think, into conversations just being like, hi, here's all of me. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is kind of rare, you know, and not that I do it every single time I talk to some, you know, like, I don't know my cashiers that well, you know, but, um, but, but when I do, I find that oftentimes, um, it feels, uh, different to people. Yeah. Um, you know, especially just like in, in regular life when it's not like, I don't know, my inner circle. Right. Um, and so that's a really interesting situation because to me, you know, I can have that deep of a relationship in the moment with that person without necessarily needing them to be a regular part of my life, right? Yeah, and you're not holding out for, like, only the deepest of relationships where you're going to go there. Yes. Or go to, like, their real authentic place. Yes. Yeah. I'd rather just try to be myself as much as I can. Yeah. Um, All the time, Mm -hmm. right? Like, a little bit all the time rather than reserving this like full version of myself for only the people that I know are going to be in my life constantly yeah um which is I I don't know if that's like a you know that might be a good choice for some people and a not so good choice for other people I I honestly have no idea I've never really thought about it I'm like thinking about it as I speak this right now I think it's it's one of the most beautiful things about you i mean i think it's just <laughs> this is just like i know this is love us, like, letters like, from mosey love Janine, letters. i know it's too <laughs> i know it's like i was Sorry, thinking guys. that it's a big love fest here but you know yeah i think let's just do it let's just do it <laughs> <laughs> let's just proclaim our love for each other <laughs> <laughs> it's the truth it's spreading it around plus yeah there's good there's good substance in this it's true the other reaction reaction mm-hmm. oh wait so to be clear on that first reaction yeah. it's that sometimes because this is what I think I've noticed with you too is that sometimes people don't experience that kind of authenticity all the time so that they when they experience with you they think it it's this it is a special thing but as though like it has to mean that you guys are like soulmates yeah because (laughs) just because they don't it's like new like to be that deep and maybe they only experience that kind of like depth with like people they've known for like ever or something like that yeah and I, I I also want to say that I don't think that I'm special in that way um because I know a lot of people who actually live their lives this way Mm -hmm. um and thankfully, I think it is something that is becoming, you know, or maybe I just live in a bubble and that's why I know so many people around me who do live this way. Um, but I, I think, you know, for the, for the, the, I don't know, the general, you know, just have like having like a regular life person who maybe, you know, hasn't been around, uh, you know, maybe like yoga or meditation or, you know, the spirituality of being connected to nature or animals. Um, and they just haven't had the exposure to that. Brene Brown. 
Yeah, man. <laughs> That's why she's my hero. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Um, I think that for so many people, <clears throat> it's it is a new experience mm-hmm. to have a conversation with somebody who, you know, goes into it and and it's just kind of like what's going on right now you know mm-hmm. um so yes oftentimes i think because that that can feel really special mm-hmm. and I, I think it happens to me as well you know when i meet somebody and they're particularly open mm-hmm. um that i get that sense of oh wow does this need to be something you know right or can i just let this connection be in this moment you know and i that happens to me mm-hmm. for sure. So <clears throat> I forgot what my point was with this. <laughs> well, you were going to say like the second reaction, unless you already said it. <laughs> like we're going to have to cut this, no. <laughs> this long pause. I'm not cutting this pause. I'm not going to edit this whole thing. <laughs> Like, no edits no, no filter edits. <laughs> um what is the other reaction you know what honestly i can't think it, of it right that's now that's fine yeah that's just i don't know that's where my brain went <laughs> and it didn't didn't fully come back <laughs> <laughs> i love it i honestly i think it's this it's kind of like we were saying in the beginning of like um like honoring where you're at, like to even moment to moment, honor where you're at. And like, I think that that kind of authenticity of like being very real, um, it affects people. And I think it's kind of how you come to horses too, not to try to just bring it back to horses, but I do think that like, you can also find that kind of special relationship of like, like you can almost practice with horses of like being really open, even with a horse that's not yours. And like what yeah. you can bring. Actually, it makes me think about um, like if you're meeting a horse that you don't aren't going to have much time with, you know, or you don't, you're just like meeting them really briefly. Um, I don't know if this relates exactly, but like sometimes you'll meet a horse that maybe is in a bad situation and there can be like a tendency to be a little bit closed off because maybe you think you can't help them or maybe you feel like you can't like you don't have the space to deeply connect with them. But I think you can also do the same thing where like you can have a special moment with a horse where you're really open hearted to them and you can be, um, there for them in that moment and like see them. And sometimes that's enough, you know, man, way to bring it back. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I really, okay. I really love this because this is what it makes me think of is like, I think most of us have, you know, if, if you love horses, you're going to find them wherever you go, right? Mm-hmm. And very often what you'll see are, are sad situations in yeah. which the horses are not necessarily, um, you know, being treated in, in ways that live up to our standards um, of welfare. Um, and so I, I totally, and I, 
you know, correct me if this is not what you were saying, but um, the tendency to not want to go near um, and experience that and maybe, you know, like in Latin America, I would see this all the time, you know, I'll just give like an example, but you'd see these like tiny horses, you know, with these like big tourists on them and they're mm -hmm. like these like skinny little horses um, and they're carrying these people around and they just seem kind of like depressed Mm -hmm. and um for me for a really long time I couldn't I couldn't live with the discomfort that it created in myself to go up to them and to just pet them and have a a connection yeah if so, you can't save them yes yeah exactly and <clears throat> I really really think that there's both true value <laughs> hi Freya hi Freya <laughs> there's true value in oh my finish your thought and then we're gonna cut to commercial okay <laughs> sounds good um so wah 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 cut to commercial <laughs> Hello everyone, I am interrupting this episode to give you a message from our sponsor. This week's episode is sponsored by WildFed. I am a minimalist and am try to be very, very conscious about what I consume, you know, both for myself and also especially for the horses. And when I was thinking about doing sponsorships for this podcast, I knew that I was going to be insanely picky and only promote things that I actually really use uh, consistently and really, really stand behind on every front, ethics and product and uh, how they, uh, the production of it and, um, and just, you know, looking at the whole package. And I am so proud to be sponsored by WildFed because they really do have it all and they are a company that I actually love and use all the time. So you might have heard I had a podcast episode with the CEO and founder of WildFed just a few weeks ago, and you can hear more about their products um, and more about how they started in that episode and also just get really good information on horse nutrition. But basically, WildFed is a horse feed company that actually puts in tons of thought into what they produce for horses. So much of the feed out there is just filled with byproducts of other industries and things that are not really good for horses to eat and just fillers. And until I found WildFed, I basically refused to feed my horse any um, grain that wasn't just pure Timothy pellets. And so when my horse Moon had a hard time putting on weight a couple of years ago, I really wasn't sure how to help her because the increasing hay wasn't working. And that's when I found WildFed. It has amazing ingredients and actually feels like really pure and all of them are sourced for the horse. Um, it's really well researched. I felt super comfortable feeding it to Moon. It was actually kind of a, like I felt like a godsend when I found it because it was everything I had wanted to find in a feed and had never been able to find. So it's pretty incredible. Um, I also love, just on a side note, that all of their packaging for their feed is in paper bags, so less plastic, which is really important to me. 
yeah, I just I can't don't have enough good things to say about this brand. They put herbs um, into their feed, and they also have a whole bunch of new herbal supports, like supplements for the horses, which I am really, really loving. I've used the liver cleanse um, after deworming, and if I've ever thought the horses have gotten into something that maybe they shouldn't have eaten, um, and I love that. I've actually eaten it myself. Um, I've also eaten the stomach soother myself, <laughs> which is good for horses with ulcers. Um, you can also use it with dogs. They also have an allergy support and an endurance formula. And uh, yeah, you can go on their website and check out all the different um, herbal supports they have. I'm actually really excited to try the allergy support with my dog, who kind of is allergic to basically everything. She's allergic to outside and inside. So I'm excited to see how that helps with her um, skin issues and whatnot. But all the ones I've tried, I've just been really, really impressed with. And this is really the only grain I will ever feed my horses. And I would be supporting them no matter what, because I, I really, really believe in this product. So, so grateful to have them um, as a sponsor on the show. So thank you, Wild Fed. Thank you, everyone listening. And let's get back to the episode. And we're back to hear Nina's thought, to hear what she had to say when we left. That's right. Okay, so we were talking about how there's there can be value, I think, in you know, approaching a situation that might be uncomfortable for us, like mm -hmm. going up to a horse that we feel, you know, doesn't have the life that we want for them. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, we can't usually most of us cannot go and save every animal mm -hmm. that we want to save whatever that means and then going up though and just sharing a moment of connection and of kindness um and compassion with them yeah i really think that my hope is that for the horse that they will receive that mm -hmm. um and that it will, you know, that they will feel the love. And then I think for us humans, like, what a gift, right? To go and, one, expose ourselves to something that is really uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And then realize why do we usually avoid these situations? Because yeah. most of the time we avoid them because we can't handle the discomfort, mm -hmm. right? It has very little to do with the horse yeah in that scenario it has more to do with the fact that we don't really learn how to be uncomfortable mm -hmm. and I think that that really you know relates to how we are in relationship with each other yeah so if we can really um you know practice being uncomfortable so that we can actually do something maybe we can't do what our ultimate goal was to do to you know save, save every horse all. ever exactly <laughs> um but at least we can give them a drop of kindness mm -hmm. you know and and maybe just they can feel loved for a moment um whatever it is that we can do you know yeah. maybe we can bring them an apple what, whatever it is that we can do um and i think that that can can give 
so much more than the avoidance that we usually go you know that's yeah. that's our usual go go to go to i think as a as a society yeah i love this on so many levels like this is what i was definitely what i was like um meaning to get at um because i think it is so uh hard or like sometimes like i wouldn't know i'd feel uncomfortable for myself and then also i wouldn't know like what i could do to help the horse and so sometimes I even go up to the horse with like a feeling of like feeling so bad. And actually this is something that I've shifted in the past few years of, you know, if you meet a horse where you feel like they're in a rough situation and sometimes the, um, the instinct will be to go up and be like, I'm so sorry you're in this situation. I feel so bad. Like humans suck. Like, mm-hmm. um, this is terrible. And I also feel like that brings, it's not necessarily like what the horse needs in that moment. Like I feel that people also, you know, when you're meeting someone in a hard situation or the horse, like it's a lot more powerful to come up and say, I see you, like I love you and I hear you. And I think, you know, if I'm the horse, like just in a, in a hard situation to feel that someone, um, is watching and someone is there who cares. And, and, you know, whether you believe the horse feels all of that intention of like, I see you, I hear you, you know, I love you. Um, whether you believe that they really feel that or not, they definitely feel the energy of like being appreciated and being, and having kindness. Like they recognize kindness. And, um, I think that's been a big shift for me too, is like, when I see something that makes me uncomfortable, not trying to add to the, just the pity of it, which ultimately doesn't really help. But also on the other hand, being able to face the discomfort, because it's so true. A lot of times we want to close our eyes to the things that like are difficult to look at. And I actually, I have a lot of compassion for that because it's, it's hard and it's hard to see things that it's hard to see suffering, especially when we can't do anything about it. But I do think there's something to, first of all, witnessing the suffering that really, it's just, I think for anyone who's in suffering, like it's a lot less lonely to know that someone's there witnessing it and that someone's there with you, even if they can't change it. And also, I'm just, I think it's so brave and courageous of the people who can open their eyes to a hard situation that they don't, that makes them uncomfortable or that, um, that hurts you to look at. Not because, you know, we're, we want to hurt ourselves and constantly be looking at things that are terrible, you know, but rather to have the awareness and being able to be there and not like shut our eyes to it. I think it takes so much courage. And I think a lot of people in the horse world are doing that now and are looking at the problems. And instead of having kind of the hopeless feeling of there's nothing I can do about it. So I'm not going to look, you know, looking and, and maybe there are little shifts you can do about it. Cause at the very least your awareness, I think it changes something for that horse. And I think it changes something for if it's a human, you know, and I think it, then it inspires more action later. You know, I think it has a big effect and, And another thing I want to mention with this 
because I think when I've been more in a place of shame for myself, it's harder to look at these situations because I would see what's being done to the horse. And I would think on a grand scale, look how horrible humans are, you know, like not saying I don't believe that, but like, that would be like my go-to thought. And it would be like, with that, look how awful I am. Like I'm fighting my own nature. I'm, I'm a human and I'm bad because humans do bad things. And, and that place of shame, it doesn't inspire any positive change. And you can't actually like make good decisions because it makes you feel hopeless to do anything about it. And, and that's where I think, you know, my approach with horses too has shifted a bit because in the beginning you see something awful, you feel so terrible about what's happening and you kind of want to scream out to the world, like, look at this suffering and you feel appalled. And I think what's changed the more I've let compassion in for myself is one, I have more courage to look at the hard things and two, I no longer see the suffering and the terrible things in the world and and go to the place of like humans are terrible in that hopeless place, but rather have compassion for everywhere around. Like it opens it up to be, this is a terrible situation. You know, this suffering is terrible, but these people aren't terrible. And, and I've caused suffering before and I wasn't terrible for doing that. I was trying my best. And that view has actually allowed me to make so much more positive change and has made doing the things that I feel very aligned value-wise so much easier because it's not coming from a place of self-rejection, but rather an embrace of who I want to be. And I think that the more we view the horse world with that lens of self-compassion and thus compassion for everyone, the the better we're going to be able to do by horses and by ourselves. And and it shouldn't be one or the other. It's not horses or humans. It It's everyone. Yeah. I love that so much. And it, it brings up, you know, this really, I think we've all experienced paralysis of some sort. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's procrastination you know, on like a small scale, or it is something like, you know, having the opportunity to be witness to, to something really horrific mm-hmm. and turning away and moving away. Um, and I really think if we can ask, you know, if we can ask ourselves, where is this paralysis coming from? That's the first act of courage. Mm-hmm. is looking at where does that come from? You know, why can't I look? And first and foremost, can I be compassionate with myself for where that is coming from? Because yeah. chances are it's our own pain, it's our own hurt, it's our own shame. Yeah. Um, so I, I really appreciate you bringing that up. I, it's been on my mind a lot recently. I'm writing a Instagram piece about it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, but th- that's where I feel like 
my friendship with you has like opened that up like tenfold as we've been talking about, but it's like coming at humanity with this idea of right and wrong and punishment with that as, as you talk about too, a lot, um, versus compassion. And when you get to compassion, it does kind of throw the right and wrong off the table. And all of a sudden it's not, there's no like clear answer. It makes it a little more muddy, but it also brings in so much more kindness and so much more genuine um, opportunity for change in a positive way. It's so interesting because where did we get this idea that life is not messy and muddy? Right. (laughs) (laughs) Right? I... I, I wonder when that developed, if, if somebody's listening and, you know, you're a historian, please enlighten me because <laughs> I would love to know more about, you know, when this idea really developed that life is to be a certain way and that people are to be a certain way and that there's these hierarchies and mm-hmm. dynamics that are a certain way, you know, and <clears throat> we can look at archetypal patterns and we can kind of see, mm-hmm. you know, um, forces kind of being at play. Um, but this idea that, that life is orderly yeah. just seems odd. The label of orderly. <laughs> <laughs> I've never put that shit on myself. <laughs> <Yeah>. I have. <laughs> you, were, you were orderly? Well, I'm a Capricorn over here. Like, oh. no, no, I mean, I think... Uh, yeah, I guess like, I do. I do think I've put that label on myself of like yeah. it not being messy, like in mm-hmm. life, like not talking about like my folders. My fo- actually, no, my folders were very orderly. Yeah, um, I've seen and- your Excel spreadsheets; they're amazing. Thank you. Yeah, sometimes they're not though. I'm either like real orderly or like it's going crazy. Um, but anyway, <laughs> um, just bringing this back to labels because now this is really. This is what I'm writing the Instagram piece on right now, and I think it ties in well because I, I kind of didn't even think that I was writing this about a label, but I am. Um, the label and the belief to me that humans are inherently cruel or inherently bad, I think that is a really big label of our society that really that makes it seem that we need to be punished and that we need our shame. And I think that and in in no way denying that cruel things happen. You know, I don't want to be like closing my eyes that like there's suffering and that humans do bad things because we definitely do. But I think I've really changed my belief system from one of humans are inherently bad and we need to be like in rejection of our true nature to sort of realizing that what I believe is that our true nature actually is compassionate and that we've, that it is the idea that we're bad and it's the idea of shame. Like that is usually where our cruelty stems from. I don't think our cruelty stems from feeling like we're enough and feeling like we're (laughs) like, I'm so happy I'm going to go punch somebody. Yeah, right. When Um, you're happy, you punch walls only. (laughs) (laughs) Poor walls. But can I say something about that? Because I really really like, I think what ties into that as well is um, this idea that 
if we do something bad, we are bad. Yes. You yeah. know, and the most interesting and often the most um, lovely people, really, that I know are also people who have made big I don't even want to call them mistakes, you know, but who have hurt people um, Mm -hmm. and who have done things that could be easily considered um, bad or wrong or, you know, evil to some standards. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe because of my own background, you know, and like I've done so many things, you know, that if you looked at it on paper... You know, like I've cheated in past relationships and I've lied, you know, and I've deceived people and I've been manipulative and I've, you know, I've yelled at people in public and been human. Yeah, I've been human in the past. Thank God God I'm not a human anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Now that I have upgraded (laughs) to an animal. Um, no, but, you know, I think, I think here's what, here's what we can do, you know, is look at, okay, here are the things that I feel, or I was told, or I think myself that I've done that are really shitty things, right? Mm -hmm. And do I believe that I am a shitty person because of that? Do I believe that I deserve punishment? Do I Mm -hmm. believe that I you know, earned whatever, you know, I got in return, you know, kind of like this, what goes around comes around kind of thing. And if so, can I, can I look at that and, you know, find some compassion for that and, and go back and go, okay, well, this is where I was at that point in my life. You know, I, I didn't have the tools that I have today. I didn't have the vocabulary that I have today. I didn't know how to express myself the way that I know how to do today. Um, you know, I didn't have the support system that I have today. Yeah. And when you're isolated, you know, um, in whatever manner, you can be surrounded by many people and still be isolated. Um, it's really hard, I think, to make really great choices. <laughs> yeah. So you know what? We're all going to fuck up. And if we can find self-compassion for that, then man, it just becomes so much easier to also look at the rest of the world and go, oh, you did this. That doesn't make you a horrible person. I've met people who have lived double lives and are some of the kindest people that I know. Yeah. You know? Yes. But they've hurt others. And I've hurt others. And if I can just acknowledge that I've hurt others, but I can have enough self-love and forgiveness for what happened, then maybe I can also apply that to the people around me, to the animals around me, and, and shift that energy from, you know, I don't know, my last dog bit somebody, you know? Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'd be like, oh, yeah, he was kind of an asshole, you know? <laughs> <laughs> But can I look at that and and just, you know, like reframe how I'm speaking about him? And thus thinking. And thus thinking about him. And believing. 
Absolutely. Fuck yeah. Sorry. I just, <laughs> this hits my heart so deeply because it, like it's kind of before I started this podcast. This is how I got on the compassion train that I'm on now. <laughs> but it was feeling like I went through this part of my life where I felt so terrible for things that I had done so that they defined me as a bad person that I felt completely like hopeless in that. And I felt like I was not, I was deserving of punishment and I was like not deserving of any compassion or redemption or anything like that. And I remember like in my most desperate moments, like searching the internet, (laughs) like searching to see if there were people like, I think I was looking up, like, redemption or something, like, mm-hmm. to see if there were people that, like, believed in second chances or something, you know? Like, I was so desperate for, like, someone to just say, like, I was not terrible. Like, I wasn't an evil person for things that I had, like, done. And um, and luckily, that, like, really, that led me to you. And then that led me to the compassion train, it makes and me it, want to put you in a bubble where nobody can ever touch you. <laughs> <laughs> Just want to say that that's also a natural urge, you know? It's like we yeah. want to protect what we love, and sometimes yeah. we want to protect, you know, like, what we love or who we love by putting them in a little cage. In a little cage. It, yeah. <laughs> no one will hurt you again. Um, <laughs> but really, it was like that, like seeking for myself to like get out of a place of shame and to have understanding that opened up my world completely and like completely transformed I think who I am and who my value what my values are and has opened me up to the world into reaching a level of deep sincere kindness that like I don't think I ever had because I didn't have it for myself you know and I wanted to be so kind to everyone and and I was like nice and kind but like I feel now like so much more deeply kind and understanding because of that. It's so interesting. You mentioned earlier in the conversation, you know, something about like a a surface level of kindness, Mm -hmm. you know, that's almost like, um, it's like an action of kindness versus, versus the embodiment of kindness. At least that's how I imagine it. You know, it's like, we can say the right words and even feel them to a certain yeah. degree. And then we can just be deeply taken over by compassion or kindness. Deep embodiment. Yes. Yeah. You know, so when, different. when somebody, when somebody's vulnerable with us and you really feel, you just, because they're telling you something that is really hard for them to say... And all you feel is this, like, in-depth love for them because they had the courage to say something that was hard to say, you know? Yeah. I I feel like that's that's the shit. Yeah, that's a deep... (laughs) It's being able to look at the harder stuff. It's not... Yeah. Yeah, that's the shit. It's the shit. It's so good. It's so good. I'm... Yeah. Yeah. taking this back as much as I can bring it back to like the uh, label thing I feel like that is the that's the fucking power of the softness 
mm. of being sensitive and having the softness and it not being in any way a weakness because facing your demons or whatever or facing the things that are hard with kindness and softness like how could that ever be weak when that's probably the hardest thing to do that I or the hardest thing I've ever like, yeah my favorite people all cry a lot <laughs> <laughs> including myself <laughs> I go through bouts sometimes I can cry at anything and sometimes I'll go like months I'll be like just shed a tear just shed a tear mosey and then I was like no no, it's not happening. It's not gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, this I like fun. doing this on on coffee. Yeah, actually, man. I don't think I feel coffee effect. Really? I don't know. I don't know. I'm just immune to the drugs. Maybe, Maybe <laughs> you're just immune to the drugs. <laughs> I also didn't finish it, so. Oh. Well, want, want. drink up, kid. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you everyone for listening. This has been a really fun episode to record, and I feel like it's been vulnerable, and I think I'm going to be thinking about what I said, and yeah. I'm going to post it anyway. Cause... I'm definitely going to be thinking about what I said. Yeah, I'll probably re-listen to this one, because I just... We said a lot of things. Yeah, it's a lot of words. <laughs> <laughs> we, we do love words, we don't do we? We love words. <laughs> Nina... Oh, oh, should we talk at all about what we're doing? Yeah, maybe. Okay, let's talk a bit about Okay, so, yeah, I don't know if you guys listened to my last podcast episode, but if you did... I did. Thank you. <laughs> um, then you know that I just moved, and, uh, and that Nina and I are uh, at this new property opening up a wild horse sanctuary. My mind is blown because I can't believe it's real and it's insane. That's not the right sound effect. <laughs> Just spit into the mic. <laughs> what I wanted to say is we're really, really excited. We're doing it. We're doing it. And it's incredible. Um, man, I was listening to your podcast, you know, and as you were talking about you know, having this dream of opening a wild horse sanctuary and now, you know, me being here with you and being a part of it, it, it feels surreal in a way. And I'm just so grateful and I still am a little like incredulous, you know, that I get to be part of this, you know? I get to be part of something that I... I think I told you, like, pretty early when we met, like, I just have this feeling about you that if I can be of any support to you, I want to, you know? You because you're doing... That's <laughs> so sweet. <laughs> because I really think that... you're here with like a big mission and it's so beautiful and you're taking it on with such grace, you know? And by grace, what I mean is that when you're scared, you say you're scared and when you're feeling empowered and ignited, then you really like just move forward. And that to me is just 
so 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 beautiful and i'm so happy to be on the journey with you <laughs> oh my god cry cry, cry. mosey cry. i know i'm in a i'm in one of those spurts where i can't cry but like on the inside I'm like on the inside that's all i need <laughs> um man i can't even express how grateful i am for you because i feel like so much of the like getting out of stagnation like we were talking about for Mm -hmm. me and being able to actually do this incredible dream that I'm just like, I can't even express how grateful I am that we're doing this um, and that we have the opportunity to. I, it didn't, I wasn't, I feel like until, and this is why we're like partners in it too. um, I wasn't able to get past like the point of stagnation because I didn't really feel deserving in some way of this opportunity. And I didn't have like the, the like support. I think you and I both needed to like take on something so incredible. And, um, like I had support, but like not in this level of like emotional partnership for it. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to, I have so many things I want to express, but it's like not coming out perfect, but, um, no such thing as perfect. Uh, (laughs) but I'm just so grateful because I think that it's us together doing this. Like it feels so right. And it feels like we are the community and the support that we've needed to be able to take on something like this and be able to do it without rejecting our fears, without rejecting like any of our emotions yeah and 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 really for me it was like to get out of a place of any kind of shame so that I could like really receive what had been given to me opportunity wise I think that really the the moment that you know I was first around you and the horses together and I realized that you know because for me it was it was very challenging I was so I'd been away from horses for so long and coming back to them was quite scary. And I was a little bit just feeling timid around them um, and at times like afraid. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I still had these voices in the back of my head that said, you can't be afraid. Like, you know, horses, you're like a horse person. (laughs) And... I remember just you from the very first moment, you know, giving me permission to be anything, to be afraid, to be happy, to be, you know, anything and anything in between. And I think that that is how our friendship is. And I think that that is how our partnership is in business. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I wouldn't have it any other way, yeah. you know, I, I don't, I, I couldn't do a partnership if there wasn't room for us to go today. I'm really scared. Yeah. Oh. Yes. <laughs> I feel the exact same way about you that, and that's what I, it's like this liberation to actually be where we're at. That it yeah. makes all the difference. And it's why I'm so freaking excited to share with everyone here and with you that we are taking on this dream and that I think we're going to, I think 
this is going to be something pretty incredible. And, um, and we're gonna, we're gonna start documenting the process a little bit. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, for all, all you listeners out there, um, yeah, we are pretty soon, like I think this next week or something going to like launch a website, do the Instagram thing and really start documenting the process of what we're doing and how we're getting these horses and what's happening. And, um, yeah, share with you this, this project that I really think is going to go beyond us, that it's, you know, in the way that the, the horses, the wild horses aren't for anyone to own. Like this process too is like kind of for everyone, you know, it's, Mm-hmm. these are yeah I, I'm getting tired but I just feel like this is going to be something we really want to share with you guys and really want to um have you be a part of as well and I'm really excited to um to start that so be on the lookout for our uh for our, <laughs> for, our things. Mo- for things <laughs> for things because a lot of information is coming and I think we're going to get on it and we're getting in this action and I think it's going to be like in the next week or two, we're going to start really sharing about this and really diving into, uh, for things for you guys to like yeah. follow and track and, and get to know what it is that's happening. So, and I really think as, as part of, you know, letting go of perfectionism, um, which I think we, you know, we both might have a tendency towards. Um, and once again, it's hey, great mate. to have <laughs> an accountability partner yeah. for being imperfect. Yeah. Hey, remember Mosey, you're imperfect. Cool. <laughs> it's helpful yeah it is it's so helpful I need the reminder that it's okay to be perfect so um I think for that it'll be really uh beautiful to you know document the journey yeah um because it, it it's you know it's like the metaphor of it all being a journey and so to having having the documentation of that I think will to to me at least feel very in line with uh what it is that we're trying to share. Yeah, I completely agree. Amen. Amen. So we will do a full out podcast. I'm sure many podcasts along the journey. Maybe we'll start a series, a a special series within this podcast. I've had a lot of ideas for these series things Um, (laughs) where we document more. So yeah, everyone be on the lookout for that. You can find it at my Instagram. If people want to find you, Nina, where can they find you on Instagram and on the lines? Oh, Instagram is uh, Animal Alchemy. Yeah, that's yeah. my Instagram. And uh, my website, which is mostly my yoga website, but there's also other stuff on it. Um, or if you want to do yoga or come meditate with me, you could also do that. You should. Um, and that would be theanimalalchemy.com. Perfect. Both of those are going to be in the show notes. Um, yeah. Thank you everyone for listening. Uh, I really appreciate that you guys take time to listen to these. It's honestly like the biggest honor to be listened to, um, in this way and to be heard. Yeah. Every now and then Mosey sends me a screenshot of a message that she got from one of you guys and we both just are like cry emojis all over the place. So thank you. And crying on the inside too. Yeah. Um, Outside and inside crying. It really does. Like it, this is, yeah, it, it's so meaningful to me. Um, so if you do like the episode and you like this podcast and you feel like rating or subscribing on iTunes or sharing, um, or reviewing all of that, like it makes a big difference and it totally brightens my week and it's wonderful. So thank you everyone who's done that. And uh, yeah, I will see you guys next week for a brand new episode. See you then, guys. Love you, bye. Okay, love you, bye.